Hello and welcome to Interculture Podcast, where we discuss the unique challenges of intercultural relationships, including differences of nationality, ethnicity, or religion. I am Ibrahim. And I'm Jenna. Each week, we discuss a different topic on living and thriving in an increasingly global society. This is Interculture Podcast. Welcome. Welcome. How are you doing today? I'm stressed. There's a lot of traffic in New York. I can't say I'm doing good. I usually commute with cars. It's giving me a really big headache right now. There's like wherever you go, it's just just full of cars everywhere, traffic jam. So hard to move in the city. Yeah, I mean, I don't drive in the city, but as a pedestrian, I get pretty pissed off. (laughs) A lot of people outside. Restaurants are full. Mm-hmm. We can see like almost every restaurant is full and getting ready for the fall season. Yeah, I went on a walk through Times Square today. I don't know why I do that because it's just frustrating. I go because I think I'm going to enjoy the hustle and bustle, but but I just regret it. So I should learn my lesson on that one. <laughs> All right. Let's talk about food today. Yeah. Diet, differences of diets, which um, since we live one of the most cosmopolitan cities in the world, so I guess we got to see a lot of cuisines and even like there's different restaurants here that they mix different cuisines between each other and then they call it fusion restaurants, right? Yeah. I've been to some of them, especially like Korean fusion restaurants. It feels really good to be living in a city like this when it comes to food and eating out. What do you think? Yeah. I don't do it very much now because it's too expensive. Oh, yeah. With this inflation rates, cooking at home even is <laughs> really expensive. Yeah. I definitely went to a lot of different ethnic cuisines when I first moved to New York, trying everything. Because there are really good chefs here. A lot of places in the U.S., there'll be Chinese food or Thai food or whatever. But it'll be kind of mixed in with American style a bit. So it won't be quite what you want it to be, Mm -hmm. I guess. But here I find that it's a bit better with authenticity, I guess. Although that doesn't matter to everyone. For me too. Growing up, we didn't have that much of a variety of diet. Well, everybody knows that Turkish food related with a lot of meat, right? Mm -hmm. That's actually wrong. Where I grew up, my mom wouldn't cook meat that much. Oh, really? Our diet was like plant-based. Wow. Yeah, almost like every meal, there's a soup for starters. Okay. It is usually either like vegetables or chicken soup or, of course, lentil soup, you know? Yeah. Variety of lentil soup. There's like millions of ways making that lentil soup. Like you add potato, you add uh, onion, and sometimes you don't add onion. You just do it sometimes with butter, sometimes with olive oil. It's all like different tastes. Anyway. I love lentil soup. You oh do? Oh my God. Yeah. Yes. And uh, salad, mm-hmm. middle of the table, where everybody can eat. You don't get to have your individual salad in, in, in the Turkish dinner, right? <laughs> <laughs> we usually like loved arugula. Arugula? Yeah. Really? Like I feel like arugula has only come into prominence in the last couple decades. I don't know. But when I was a kid, I remember eating that a lot. I can't Tastes eat so arugula. Good. It makes me sick. Is it? Yeah. Oh, Salt and lemon juice. I think it makes the best salad ever. I mean, I like the way it tastes, but I don't know. I must have an allergy or something. Mm. I get sick when I eat it. Especially when we have fish uh-huh. on grill. It goes with the fish best, for my opinion. That sounds good. Yep. I didn't have a good time eating in Turkey. I really don't like <laughs> Turkish food. I'm sorry. I mean, I like I like lentil soup very much, but... uh. Okay, the thing, if you go to a Turkish restaurant or you're in Turkey, they just serve you mountains of food. Oh, also, if you eat in someone's home, they cook for you. They just want you to nonstop eat. Nonstop eating, yes. And You never say to a Turkish person that you're hungry. No, you'll never hear the end of it. Yeah, you'll never (laughs) hear the end of it, of course. Oh my god, it was just like a never-ending nightmare. (laughs) You shouldn't stop eating if you say you're hungry, so... We went to this um, Turkish restaurant in Brooklyn a couple Mm -hmm. years ago, 
and oh my god we went with another turkish person and she wanted to order everything off the menu like you do if you're turkish you just order one of everything <laughs> and i i just really that wasn't so true. <laughs> that is so accurate that is so turkish yes I just wasn't that thrilled about anything on the menu. I'm just, <laughs> I'm just really not into it. Sorry. That's anyway, okay. That's okay. Um, so I got a salad because I usually love having a salad. Yep. And they they brought me my salad. This salad was bigger than my head. I mean, it was the hugest salad you ever saw in your life for one person, first off. They probably didn't chop it that well. They wanted to make it look big. It It Is was it? just... A lot of lettuce. Oh. Fuck ton of lettuce. And they put a different type of lettuce in a wine glass displayed like a floral bouquet in the center. So it's just, it's literally like a waterfall of salad. And it was an absurd amount. It was bigger than my head. I ate like a fourth of it (laughs) and I was done. It was a good salad, but... And then I was full, you know, because it was huge. And then everyone's, okay, we're going to have dessert now. And I'm like, no, I really, I really don't want anything. Thank you. And out it comes. They'd already like planned it out to get (laughs) (laughs) while I wasn't looking. And I just didn't eat anything. And there's just tons of, of fruit and stuff on the table that like no one ate. And I know it's rude to not finish, uh, at, like at a Turkish meal, but I just don't listen to that because <laughs> yeah, you wouldn't have a stomach right now if you would listen to that. <laughs> and I just become furious because they really try to force it down on you. They do, yeah. They won't take no for an answer. Yes. And like I force myself to eat with Memo's family sometimes. The worst time I got like violently ill after forcing myself because they kept pushing me and pushing me to eat and i was sick all night it was the worst day of my life i'm so sorry that's my whole childhood oh my god so i just want to cry for the young ego right now except my mom like everybody was trying to feed me because i was like the skinniest one you know yeah that's the best worst thing that can that can happen so mamo's nephew he was like not skinny but Mm -hmm. I mean, he was skinny, but he looked perfectly healthy to me. And they were like, oh, my God, he's wasting away. He's going to die. He doesn't eat enough. And I'm like, yeah, he looks actually like if he eats more, he's going to put on some weight. Like, <laughs> and they're all like that. Like, they're, they're all like that. And a lot of Turkish people are huge. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm sorry, but it's just true. They eat too much. It's not good for you to eat too much. Well, no. Not right now because of the crisis. Mm. Everything is expensive now in Turkey. So Yeah, that's true. That definitely changed some <laughs> some aspects in Turkey, I, I believe. Mm. But um, yeah, for my childhood, all of my aunts and my, my uncles and everybody in my family, first thing they say when, when they see me, oh, you're too skinny. You have to eat. But you are very skinny. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and you... You claim to be attempting to put on weight right now. Yeah, I've been trying that for almost uh, almost three years. <laughs> I don't think to mm. reach into a success. So I don't know. Some people are just like that. Very difficult for them to put on weight. Mm. And like I was telling you earlier, my brother has celiac disease, and he his oh. whole childhood was a very picky eater, and mm. he still to this day does not eat very much. I guess he he seems healthy, so. He must be eating something. I really got to get tested for celiac disease. Me too. I don't feel like hungry. I only feel hungry once in a day and then that's breakfast. So after that, I don't like really feel hungry. I don't understand that at for, all. For a whole day. I'm like, if I don't eat, I don't eat. I just don't feel the uh, urge to eat. Maybe sometimes if I'm like too much physical activity, maybe. Mm-hmm. Memo's like, like playing that soccer too. or if I'm like out all day. I don't know. Memo only eats once a day, too. And I don't get it. Yeah. That's so unhealthy, though. Well, I don't want to say that it's unhealthy, but I don't know. I don't get it. Actually, yeah. Depends on what you eat, maybe. Depends on your diet. And I see that he he eats a lot of (laughs) burek. Oh, yeah. Well, not so much (laughs) these days, but he was eating that every morning. Yeah. Mm. No, I I think I eat 20 times a day. (laughs) 
20? Really? <laughs> Not literally 20, but I eat a lot. I have to eat a little bit of something throughout the day. And I've tried fasting before. I can't do it because I have um, low blood sugar will like trigger my migraines and then I start to feel horrible. So I really can't go without food. If I like go out without food and I'm like tired and my blood sugar is low, like I'll get to the point where I'll like almost pass out. I really, I can't go without food for too long. That's why I hate jobs where you're interacting with people constantly because I just need to like be able to eat and go to the bathroom 50 times in one day. So to be happy. (laughs) Yeah. For classic Turkish or I would say like Mediterranean taste of food is we put olive oil and salt and lemon juice to everything almost almost everything well it's the perfect combo so some some people they don't like it though of course like from different cultures of people they don't love it like like we do isn't that there's like the four ingredients for like good food salt acid um fat i can't remember the other ones but you know those are supposed to be like the perfect combination You're also wasting a lot of food, though. People in the U.S. are wasting a lot of food? All over the world. It's a pretty big problem. Yeah. There's just garbage trucks full of food that get dumped, and that's not going to the people who need food, and it's also creating more carbon emissions. So that's a huge problem. And it's sad, too. Like, There's so much waste, and then there are people who can't get enough to eat. Exactly. So what about the diet in in the U.S.? We eat a lot of Mexican food. (laughs) I would say universally throughout the U.S., that is one thing that we do is we love our Mexican food. But uh, I think it it varies really regionally. But I think there's more of a health movement now because, you know, in the 50s, people were really crazy about um, instant food, microwavable food. canned food and fast food was becoming a thing too and there was a lot of misinformation at that time about fat being unhealthy and then suddenly sugar was in everything so eventually when we started realizing how that was affecting us people started to think about changing their diet including more whole foods and yeah less sugar and less processed foods so I think that that is a an ongoing trend as people interested in more plant-based, more whole foods ingredients and yeah, less processed. Processed food gives you an instant dopamine. Uh-uh. So that's why we can't get rid of it. Yeah, they put sugar in everything to make you addicted to it. Before the technology, how did other our ancestors eat, how they ate? How far back are you talking? Prehistoric times. You know the, do you know about the paleo diet? Mm -mm. So that's the whole thing with them is trying to get back to a diet that was more natural to us, free agriculture. You like eating without cooking or something? I mean, eating eating it raw, especially if it's a plant-based diet, eating it raw seems like there's like more opinions about being more healthy, not burning the food, not burning the vegetable. Well, that's just plain nonsense. I'm sorry, but I mean, cooking releases, uh, not releases, but it makes many nutrients available to us depending on the food. It really depends on the food if it's going to be more nutritious, raw or cooked. It's not like a a one size fits all situation. You got to be really careful with some of those raw diets. You can miss out on a lot of nutrients that you need. I was um I was vegan for six years and yeah I talked to people who are raw vegan and it's just crazy. This one guy was talking about how he was a raw vegan and he would, he said sometimes he would just wake up in the night like starving and he would get out of the bed and eat like seven bananas and then go back to sleep and then that was <laughs> how he dealt with it. And I'm like, I just don't want to do that. I don't want to wake up in the night and need to eat seven bananas and then go back to bed. Oh. But anyway, I was talking about paleo diets. Oh. That was their goal, was to try to find our diet before... Agriculture. Uh, yeah. And Interesting. They weren't eating bread. 
Mm. You know, because the wheat is a produced product. It's milled and then uh, baked, right? But they found evidence, archaeological evidence, that before human civilizations, humans have been harvesting grain to cook with. So that was actually an incorrect assumption for the paleo diet. That's very interesting. It makes a lot of sense, though. Well, there's one thing that I can be sure that is that was maybe not know. They were not looking for taste of food. It was just to eat to survive, I guess. There was no like... Homo sapiens? I don't mm. know. I think we've always been interested in taste. Yeah. Maybe our ancestors, like Homo erectus or whatever, <laughs> those those guys, maybe they were a little more need-based, survival-based in their diet. I could be wrong, though. But in Turkey, we, you guys eat a lot of bread. Oh, yeah. that's Especially the white bread. That's the unhealthy one unhealthy kind <laughs> we're addicted to it we can't give up that it tastes so good <laughs> it tastes so good well i've been trying to be gluten-free for a while mm-hmm. like i mentioned because i feel like maybe i have celiac disease which mm. i still haven't been tested but in turkey you guys really respect bread if memo like finds a piece of bread on the ground outside he has to like pick it up and <laughs> Put it somewhere, right? Yeah, yeah. Even if you go to a supermarket mm-hmm. for bread, so we don't have like packaged bread. We don't have that. We don't have that culture. Yeah, you cannot find. They have freshly baked coming from the bakery. Yeah, it's nice that you guys still have bakery culture. Yeah, going strong in every <laughs> that in every neighborhood we have that. You know the thing with the bread produced in the United States. Besides, there's a lot of processed bread, which is. I mean, to me, absolutely disgusting. But anyway, the flour here, we treat our grains with like so many pesticides that people think that they have celiac disease because they get sick from eating our wheat products. Oh. But actually, they'll go to Europe and have their bread that's from the bakery with organic grain and they can eat as much of it as they want and not get sick because it's not actually the gluten isn't the thing that's bothering them as much as the chemicals. That makes sense. Yeah. It's another reason I don't want to eat gluten anymore. That's awful. <laughs> I know. Oh. I'll just go to like an organic bakery. Mm. There's not that many like accessible bakeries in New York. I went to this Turkish bakery in New Jersey the other day, or last week actually. They had burek. Mm-hmm. You know, they tasted like the kind that I ate in Turkey when I was in Turkey. Mm-hmm. And I asked them, like, how did you make this? Oh, we just ship it every day, basically. Ship it? Yeah. They ship it from Turkey, like, every day. Oh, my God. Yeah, I don't know how that's possible. Or maybe maybe do it weekly or something. It comes freezed, you know? Well, you know, when it comes to bread products, the water makes a big difference as well mm. in the in the taste that's why everyone talks about new york bagels are like one of the reasons they're so good is because of our water which i don't know i mean that's some people's opinion but <laughs> i mean like oh they have like because we have clean water that's why yeah well it's like the, the taste, um, taste better than other states it's the mineral content is different all the water is purified but that doesn't necessarily change everything or take everything out of it. Oh, I don't know where our waters come from. Like where is the closest dam here? Or where, where do we extract the drinkable water? Do you know? No. <laughs> I do not. I wonder that at all, actually. Anyway, different food and diet. 50 years before this, you wouldn't, I don't know, when you live somewhere in the Midwest in the United States, like you wouldn't know what other food maybe tastes like. Maybe actually, this this country was built by immigrants mostly, so yeah, I was that wouldn't be say, issue. Yeah. I think we've been eating immigrant foods since I don't know how long, because that's the thing here. Everything ended up just getting mixed together. Hmm. Bagels are a Jewish food, actually. Yeah, and we have our own version of pizza that's a little bit different than traditional pizza. Of course, like I mentioned, we have Mexican food and a lot of mixtures of Southern and Southern American and Mexican food mixed together. Yeah, just various 
things have come to mix. I think we've always, for a long time, people have been eating foods from different places here. That's true. Yeah. It's different now, but back then, you wouldn't find any, any other different cuisine restaurant in Turkey. Mm-hmm. Like, not like this. Maybe like one or two in every big city, you know? It's, it's different now. I'm, I'm, I'm seeing like there is a lot of like sushi restaurants opening in Izmir and, and Turkey and Italian restaurants or French restaurants, whatever. But back in my childhood, it wasn't like that. So we wouldn't know like other, exactly what other cuisines taste like. I'm so grateful for the fact that I grew up having many different types mm-hmm. of food. Mm-hmm. I can't imagine my childhood without that. It was always a treat to get like Chinese food. We get so excited, like, oh, today's the day. Oh, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> we didn't have that. For a long time, living in New York, I, like, exclusively ate Thai food. No oh, yeah, other. Oh, yeah, I know. You're... <laughs> no other cuisines. I was like, no, you, I don't want yeah, you, You're a big fan, I know. Yeah. And there, some people are saying that Hell's Kitchen is going to become, like, Little Thailand. Hmm. Because there's so many Thai restaurants in this area, it's possible we might have some more Thai stuff around here. I've only seen one or two. I don't know. I'm pretty sure you know better because you've been around here for longer than me. So You've only seen one or two what? One or two Thai restaurants. Just on this street alone, I don't even know how many there are. There's so many. Oh, oh God. On the next block over, there's two. Two? Wow. That's one block. And that's not even counting the side street. There's one on the side street. One, yeah. All right. In like a two block radius, there's many. <laughs> it's crazy. Anyway, I love Thai food, but I don't oh. eat it very much anymore because of um, inflation. Mm. But something that's bothering me about the U.S. is our production of beef here we are producing more there's more demand for beef and that trend is growing to other countries as well like more countries are consuming more beef i'm sorry and it's a huge problem environmentally yeah i'm sorry about nusret oh (laughs) well he's a he's like a controversial figure I realized. Yep. For those who don't know, that's Salt Bay. There's a lot of yeah. There's a lot of com- meat consuming there. Oh, well, so, he's like all meat though. I mean, yeah, it's all about meat. That's his thing. So if you're vegan, you can't eat at his restaurant. Ta. Just a pro tip. It's all meat and cheese. <laughs> <laughs> and making love with them. <laughs> but yeah, the I mean, the Amazon rainforest is being knocked down to create more beef farms. There's a lot of activists that have disappeared. They've spoken up about how the rainforest is being destroyed uh, to make room for more meat farms. And that doesn't even get into factory farming and the depravity of meat processing plants and how the workers there are treated, how unsafe it is. I mean, the factory farming and consumption of meat in the U.S. is a serious problem. And I always tell Memo not to buy, like, the cheap meat. You don't know what's in that. So sad. And it's also possible, like, that someone on, like, a meatpacking line packed that food, like, having to wear a diaper because they aren't allowed to have bathroom breaks. I mean, (laughs) it's, it's really dystopian. Yeah, we live in that reality. Well, if there's 8 billion people in this world, so... I think everyone wants to go for tasty food, which is the meat, the most tasty. I mean, is it? I don't know. Don't you remember eating? I remember like eating vegetables as a kid was like a punishment. I think my my diet wasn't as healthy as I thought it was when I was younger. Mm. I loved junk food when I was a kid. Oh, yeah. I think a lot of Cheetos between meals. <laughs> there's, there's a culture, like a snack culture. Mm. Yeah, I think a lot of East Asian countries package processed snacks is such a huge trend. Oh, is it? Yeah. For us is, you know, like we we love, we love to eat sunflower seed. That's our like most important snack for us. I just remembered our friend's girlfriend mm-hmm. talking about 
having a bunch of Turkish men come over as guests and like just eating mounds and mountains of sunflower <laughs> seeds over the hours and and she like got into it too and she couldn't get out yeah yeah i couldn't get out under the shelves you yeah you, you can't get out it's addictive <laughs> yeah anyway but we were talking about meat and how oh, yeah. much people love it and are eating like way too much of it in the u.s it's been shown that we're eating too much meat because that shouldn't be your the biggest part of your diet. It shouldn't be meat. I mean, that's just not... You need to get vegetables, other vitamins in there. But I will say, now that I'm no longer vegan, meat does make me feel different than when I was like eating vegan proteins. Mm. Do you feel more energetic now? Strong? Uh, strong, yeah. Right. I, I wasn't really having issues before i started like a more regimented exercise routine you talk about red meat though right or any kind of meat any meat okay actually which you can eat you can get all your nutrients perfectly like on a vegan diet you have to be conscious of your b12 of course because b12 only exists in animal products mm. and it's very good for the environment and it's good for your body but i will tell you the story of how I transitioned out of being a vegan. I do get migraines sometimes. And one day I had a really bad migraine. I had no appetite and I would eat something and it wouldn't help. And I was just feeling really miserable, like wanting to lay down. And Mamo, who used to be a professional chef, mind you, was cooking a steak and the smell oh my god it just came to my nose and I was like I have to eat that I just have to I was feeling so sick so I asked him you know after he was done cooking I was no, like I, I, I wondered the exact moment like how did it feel I'm Can getting like to it <laughs> <laughs> yeah so I I asked him I was like hey can I have a bite of that? And he was shocked, you know, because as long as I'd known him, I've never touched meat. Mm -hmm. He was like, what? <laughs> no, what? And then he's like, yeah, of course you can have some. And I ate it and like, it was so good. <laughs> it was so, it was heavenly. The best steak in my life was that bite. And I'm telling you, I'm not, this is not a lie. Okay. My migraine disappeared. Almost immediately after that beef hit my stomach, I mm. felt like a superhuman. I felt oh. amazing. And that was the moment I was like, oh my God, meat is such a powerful food. <laughs> and yeah, now I, I don't eat beef. That's not a part of my diet, but I do eat fish and chicken. And it's just different, especially if you are like putting on muscle. There's something different about eating meat than eating like something that's even, uh, even if a plant-based food that's loaded with protein, mm -hmm. it's just really not the same. There's just something different that goes on in your body eating meat. It, it really is. I wish it wasn't true because I, I love veganism and I think it's great, but I'm just being completely honest. You're just lured into that smell, drag you two into the kitchen and then, okay. Yeah, like. A cartoon cat, <laughs> you know how its nostrils become big and it floats. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's exactly what I'm that was about. me. <laughs> it's been a while since I had a red meat though, because I don't cook at home that much. You know, I, if I do, I do like not instant, but easy to prepare food. Either like tuna salad or just uh, scrambled eggs and anything. You know, just I don't want to purchase beef here. I just don't want to support that industry in the u.s also can you really look at a baby cow and say mm. that you should eat it they're so sweet yeah. anyway <laughs> when i came back from the u.s for the first time my mom like saw me and then oh you look very unhealthy i think we should get you some sort of a detox and then she put me on this detox with no animal products for one week only vegetable hmm. what happened to you even like they, no sugar also you can get anything any processed food you should be like mostly raw or boiled, mm -hmm. whatever you're eating. And like made me drink a lot of beet juice. Oh, yeah. That's a thing. Yeah. And I remember I for the first like three days, I felt really weak 
for not taking any like animal products. Then it got I got I got better, like much better. Mm-hmm. Energetic, but I, the end of the day, I could feel urge to eat the meat. <laughs> anyway. Yeah. And I lost weight during that time too. Well, I think I don't think there's anything wrong with doing like a short term detox, mm-hmm. especially if you're like getting more vegetables in than you normally would. Have you ever tried detoxing yourself? No. <laughs> no. I'm pretty big on eating a lot every day. <laughs> eating disorders are very common in the US. Mm. I didn't realize this until I had a few like some friends who were talking about it and all of them said they had an eating disorder mm. and I was just shocked. It's just so common. Like you could ask any girl on the street and I would say 70% of the time, yeah, I used to have an eating disorder or yeah, I'm in recovery or whatever. It's really bad, which you understand why. What exactly is a eating disorder? Um, it's It could be a myriad of things, anorexia, bulimia, or like restrictive eating or compulsive eating, binging and purging. and But yeah, it's there's the obsession with being thin, but also now the trend is to be curvy too. So like you may be going to the gym to try to get glutes, but also restricting your eating some of the time severely. It's just a disaster. (laughs) Oh, hell. But like when I was growing up, the the heroin chic thing, the models were, you could see their bones. And that was the standard of beauty at the time. But yeah, I was just, I'm just, so shocked by how common eating disorders are in this country and it's very alarming oh you know this just reminded me of how like life longevity is impacted by putting your body through discomfort and food can be a way for people to escape discomfort instead of just fuel and that can cause many health problems you know Mm -hmm. but at the same time food is very comforting to people and i don't think that's a bad thing yeah i just sometimes wish i find eating not a waste of time but eating like too much of an effort swallowing the pill Mm -hmm. taking a pill for a meal how do you think it sounds it's not gonna work probably not wouldn't be nutritious as much i guess because the amount of thing you're taking in your body you can't get enough calories from a pill also a lot of nutrients rely on fiber mm. to be absorbed into your body. Like that's why it's better it's way better for you to like eat an apple than to drink apple juice. Oh. Because the fiber allows your body to like slowly absorb nutrients. Mm. Whereas if you're just drinking the juice, you're going to have a very quick blood sugar spike from that. So that's why one of the many reasons we will not be able to just consume pills in the future. I think it's a very bad idea. Also, you know that a lot of people's pills go straight through their system and are never dissolved in their body at all. Do you know how many pills they find like in the sewer system? Like tons, tons of even prescription medications, too. Not just supplements. There are a lot of pills that just go right through you. That's true. You know, they're producing fake meat, 3D yeah. printed meats. And I think there's like so much demand on agriculture, feed the world. They yeah. are like producing meat. That's not actually meat, but it has... Well, there, yeah, there's 3D printed meat. And there's also lab-grown meat. Lab-grown meat, yes. Which they can just take... I saw on a program... They can just take one feather from the chicken and use that DNA to produce a chicken breast. <laughs> wow. I remember watching the movie of 1984. It's a book also written by George Orwell. Yeah. People in, in the like food hall, they gave them meat, but it's not an actual meat. When you eat it, it feels like meat. Oh. In the movie. It's a pretty old movie, though. Yeah. That reminded me too of um, Snowpiercer, where they give them slabs of food, slabs but of food they realize later that it's just ground up bugs. Yeah, cockroaches. Uh. <laughs> yeah, but that is what they say is going to save us in the future, switching to bug protein. Oh, that's that's also true too, yeah. Yeah, which some people 
in some cultures, they already eat plenty of bugs and scorpions and stuff. So yep. it wouldn't be that big of a stretch. For them, yes. <laughs> For me. Well, I'm pretty sure they're going to find, find a way to make it look like really tasty. Yeah, they because will. Because it's, pro- it's got to be processed food anyway. Yeah. Eh. So 20 years from now on, you might find your, find myself eating scorpion chips yeah. from Target. <laughs> Who knows? I mean, Who knows? The climate disaster is coming, so you might have to eat scorpions for dinner. Ugh, that scares me a lot. And we'll be dead before the worst of it. <laughs> I hope we are. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I wouldn't want to go through that. Mm-hmm. The worst thing is for the people who have to transition into more um, green or earth-friendly things. The people who are forced to. The people who are born into like the new world where we're eating scorpions and stuff and there's no cows anymore. They're going to grow up with it and be used to it and it's going to be no big deal. But the people who have to watch the world burning, they're going to suffer the most, in my mm. opinion. Oh, yeah. Sounds like so surreal, but it's it doesn't seem that, that much of a like, faraway future, you know? It's not as a thing. If you continue to live like this. And me, myself, I'm not doing anything about it. I feel like for myself, for my end, it's already in the, it's already the end. So, like, I don't know. The end is nigh. The guy that stands on the street with the sign that says the, wor- the world is coming to an end today. So sad. But I feel like so many of those dystopian movies and so many sci-fi movies as well, after a few decades, they become reality. <laughs> you know? Yeah. That's why I'm so down about sci-fi movies. <laughs> Dark future movies. I get what you're saying. Getting back to food. It's not going to be able to continue this way for the next yeah. hundred years. People are going to have to, because right now people can eat whatever they want, essentially, as much beef as they want. Mm-hmm. Other foods that are really hard on the environment, whatever they want, they can eat. But in the future, the same way there are restrictions on, you know, you can't water your grass in LA on this day, you know, it's probably going to be the same for food. Like Mm -hmm. you can only have this many pounds of beef per month or something like that. That's okay though. I wouldn't mind that. (laughs) Well, we wouldn't mind it, but some people. (laughs) If still I'm going to be able to like live and breathe, not burning in the yeah. Of sun, so I can I can be okay with eating less meat. Well, I don't have to eat meat at all. I've done <laughs> it before, so. Well, I guess we're not gonna learn until like we we'll actually leave the disaster itself, when there'll be no grass to feed to cows. Right. Then we're gonna realize that I guess. So much economy relying on that, you can just cut yeah. it off. Yeah. In one day. I really do think people should go vegan if they're able to. It's really a much more sustainable diet for the planet. But I think that's one thing a lot of activists have wrong about animal agriculture is expecting that industry to change overnight. It just, it it cannot, you know, there has to be this process, not just from people who are ideologically like believe in eating beef you know that's that's our culture and we should eat as much of it as we want but from people who whose generations of family have had beef farms or other animal farms as well that is a lot of capital you know that's in that and you can't just immediately ask people who for centuries even have been doing this this work to tomorrow change their whole life learn a new skill I mean, I suppose they could plant plants instead, but still, there's that's it's a big change for people. I think we should appreciate how farmers, like especially also cow farmers, have kept us alive for you know many years without the nutrition of cow's milk, which I don't drink milk, period. But cow's milk has kept us alive in times where people haven't had access to other nutrients that they need i mean it saved us in a lot of ways from famine so is it that much nutritious though for humans 
well, not the way it is for a cow, no, but it does have plenty of calcium. It's, you know, it's fattening. So if you're like, if you need to put on weight, yeah, it's good for you. Mm. Like I said, I mean, people gave it to their children. People started giving it to like their babies and their children because they just had nothing else to feed them really. And that it's like the, it's like the potato famine, you know, like you could live off potatoes for a long time. You could live off milk for some time too. It's helped us. I think we should just have like some respect for what cow's milk has done for us throughout. I mean, literally tens of thousands of years, not just hundreds. But now we have many new options for milk, you know, plant milk. So it's okay to change. We we have access to so many different foods now. We don't need to keep consuming animal products. Yeah. And also there is that too. Just track me in the head and you don't know what's healthy and what's unhealthy anymore. I keep seeing this news in the in the media, like some of the packaged salads that are getting called back. It's crazy. Like you think it's just a vegetable. There should be nothing wrong with that. But do you think that they're processed foods? Are they considered as processed food? Like packaged salad, you mean? Yeah. I mean, maybe. I don't maybe, know. Maybe, right? And uh, you don't know how they grow that. Maybe in a, where they use a lot of pesticides and fertilizer. Yeah. And the fertilizer relies on the oil industry. Mm-hmm. It all comes back around. It all comes back around the, yeah. I think you have to be careful about the larger companies that are doing mass production of this stuff because that's where, you know, once you are doing things too fast on t- too large of a scale, that's when, you know, the bacteria grows and mistakes are made. And if you just go to your your local farmer's market and buy materials for a salad, you you would probably trust them because they're there face-to-face with you selling it. The nameless large corporation that's packaging your salad, if they make you very sick, well, you could sue them, but they're still going to be trucking right along. Mm-hmm. It won't even be a dent. That, But that's where, like, especially, as I mentioned before, the meatpacking industry, it's such a large scale at such a high speed, high volume. Many mistakes are made. And we also don't know, I mean, this is something vegans talk about. A lot of processed meats, they don't get checked for anything. Those animals get cancers too, you know? <laughs> like, oh, yeah. So you don't, you really don't know because they're not taking the time. Well, they also <laughs> get, yeah, get tumors and stuff and the, the conditions that they live. I know. <laughs> I don't feel eating comfortable to that meat. Yeah, I know. That's I why mean, I don't eat it. <laughs> it's probably not healthy though. Like it's... Well, they know it's not healthy to eat processed meat. I mean, there's all these like studies coming out now. Yeah, but how do you find healthy meat? Is like Whole Foods selling that or is Trader Joe's selling that? Which Yeah. I mean... Who sells that meat? <laughs> not definitely Walmart. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, you can buy like grass-fed beef or like antibiotic-free chicken and that kind of stuff. They all say that, but most of them say that. Is it true though? I think you just got to look into the company, to be honest. And I mean, I used to work at a co-op and... There was a huge focus on local products, animal cuts that are done in the store from a local farmer. So, you know, like if you trust the store and you trust the farmer, you know, nobody else is interfering with that. But when you're living in an urban area like New York, where everything is coming far away, or at least it's at least traveling into the city, maybe it's coming from upstate. But, you know, that's that's another thing. Not knowing where your food's coming from or how it's getting to the plate. That's a huge thing people are concerned about nowadays as well. And in the US, there's a lot of programs in schools, grade schoolers, they're teaching them how to grow plants, vegetables, because there's this huge concern about people not understanding where their food is coming from and how important it is. That connection to the earth to the planet understanding that and also respecting it is really important to a lot of people now and i think it's good it's really good to have kids understanding the work that goes into farming our food and if they see it and understand the challenges they're gonna be 
a lot more concerned about the health of the planet in the future when they get older. So much of a big part of our lives is big corporations. They like said how we eat, how we sleep, how we even get sick or how we get treated. Yeah. It all comes to, comes down to that. They are really hard to regulate and make them obey the law. They've made it hard to regulate them. It yeah. is really upsetting to me how much control they do have over our lives and then how how much control they have over the planet as well. Yeah. That's another thing. Our actions to prevent climate change are on such a small scale compared to oil refineries and other industries that produce carbon. But ultimately, they make it seem as though we are powerless to regulate them. Well, yeah. Do you think the processed foods, is that just a thing that is growing in popularity everywhere around the world? Yeah, in Turkey also. Not that much, not not like here, but still. Mm-hmm. And also, there's this aspect that it is cheaper, so... Of course it is. The <laughs> majority of Turkey lives at a minimum wage, mm-hmm. which is 43% of the employees in Turkey. Wow. Standards of eating, standards of food, the quality of food always depends how many, how much money you earn, right? And right now, the economical crisis causes people to sacrifice from even their eating. Probably we are consuming more processed food than ever. Yeah, well, I mean, that's true. And... Turkey is coming from an agricultural country. In the 70s, we were mostly producing everything. We weren't like importing anything from as a food, like importing mostly nothing from any other country because we had land, you know, and resources so we could just produce, feed our country. That has changed over the past couple of decades. Mm-hmm. And like people are like now are packed in the cities, in the, in the big cities. For example, in my childhood, my, my grandma is a farmer. And, and I would remember when I was a kid, she would bring us olive oil that she has produced and peas and lentils and even like yogurt and cheese. Almost there is no people left are doing this right now. So that really was another sad. aspect. I'm just one of one of an example. Mm-hmm. Millions of people like me who's there, like grandparents are like farmers. And I remember like we never paid for olive oil in our life. And most of the people from Izmir, they, they live like that, you know. So there is no people left like that anymore. Because there's no like young generation who's who stayed as farmer, but there's like more demand day by day to food. There is no enough farmers left in the country. What do you do? You import. Yeah. Is that that would be another aspect of changing diet, changing your diet too, right? So maybe Turkey is not the only country who lives like that right now. Maybe there's there could be another like examples of countries, but from my experience, that that had that had changed a lot over a decade. That's crazy. That's crazy, right? Yeah. And the unplanned growing of the, of the city, like mm-hmm. more people are coming to the city and then more you need a accommodation for them and then you just open the farm farmlands to construction. You get them, yeah. That's another cycle. Wow. I think in the future where there'll be like less food and more demand, I think the billionaires, people who ride, like who drives Lamborghinis will be farmers. <laughs> They'll have the farm, you mean. They won't be the one farming. They'll own farms. They'll own land. Yeah, they will all own lands. Mm. And they will shape the agriculture in the future. Tech companies, I'm telling you. I think that sounds true. I mean, the CEO of the Facebook, I don't know. Mark Zuckerberg? Yeah. Uh-huh. He has, he has a, like millions of acres of land in Hawaii. I don't like that. And the people like the natives are like complaining about it. They should. They say like this is our land. It is. <laughs> oh my god. So, I think like that land will be used for agriculture in the future. So I don't know. <laughs> oh my god! I hope not. <laughs> yeah, that's why I was telling my mom that we should have a piece of land in my grandma's village, <laughs> even just for like you mm. know. Well, it's always good to own land. Yeah. Yeah, the people who own land that is agrable that can be used for agriculture yeah those people are gonna have all the power in the future it's very scary yeah i don't like to sound like conspiracy theories i I hate that actually i know well i mean 
I like the fun ones, but yeah, but I can just can't seem can't seem to think that. I mean, they are now shaping our future right now. You know, mm-hmm. they big, are big like yeah. tech billionaire companies. We live under their rules, basically. That's not. A, I I believe that's not a conspiracy. <laughs> we buy their products. We think that it's it's it is vital. When they tweet something, when they say something, we take that as like a really big deal. So I guess so. This is kind of changing subjects, but talking about the people who were farmers in the past, Mm -hmm. someone from Italy was telling me about how the way people eat has not changed from their farming days, like in rural communities, but they're no longer doing the farming work. So they're gaining a lot of weight, actually. They will eat three loaves of bread, (laughs) you know, in one day, which when you were waking up at 4 a.m. and finishing when the sun goes down, working really hard physical labor all day, you you could eat three loaves of bread, you know, (laughs) and and those carbs would get used right up. But yeah, now people are kind of struggling because the traditions they're not changing quite as quickly as the lifestyle. It seems that farming is is really on the decline everywhere. Yeah, it's not feasible anymore. And but I feel like I'm paying a lot of money for food. <laughs> and we'll be going to people. Yeah, we'll be paying more and more for the coming mm-hmm. years. Yeah. So. And the the worst part is it doesn't matter you know what generation you're talking about or where you are on the planet, the people with less money are the ones that are going to have the least access to nutritious food, the least access to quality food, or to food, period. And, I mean, food is, that is one of the most basic human rights. Yeah. I remember that when I was in college, I was studying in a small town outside of Aydin, which is which is one hour from Izmir. Okay. And it's a, it's a land of agriculture. You know, the uh, there's this prehistoric river that is the land since, I don't know, I think like finding of the agriculture, you know? <laughs> yeah, probably. Yeah, the, the river calls uh, Meandros. Okay. You call it Menderes, but it's in Latin, it's, Meand- it's called Meandros. When I was studying there, I realized that when I after after I came here after after I like finished college stayed in Turkey for a bit and uh, when we were when when I was sitting there I I wasn't even like paying for food that much. Hmm. You could grow everything like other than tropical vegetables and tropical fruits in a different part of the city in the, in the town. Like there were always like this uh, local farmers market in like numerous days. Let's say like five days in a week. In mm-hmm. different neighborhoods in the, in the town but we used to always like do our like grocery groceries in the market not in the supermarket right which was pretty cheap back in the day people like coming from the small villages and there are like thousands of them every one of them are farmers i realized that after i came here like i was like so lucky yeah but during that time i was like thinking oh this is such a boring town i was saying like Aww. this is such a boring town i was like i'm just wasting my time now I realize that the uh, the land was like so nutritious and every time of the year, every season of the year, you could grow something. And I can see packaged food here. Maybe it, it is the most sanitary way, sanitary way, I don't know. And when you, when we talk about processed food, I have, <laughs> I, have I have really big concerns about it. <laughs> I think it's pretty clear that it's bad for you. And I'd rather give my money to better people, <laughs> not the ones that are poisoning us. So, Well, yeah. We all see what future will bring. Doesn't seem very bright though, but maybe we find a way. Well, people, I think, are trying to re- reverse the climate change or find I don't know a way that we produce all of our food is going to be three D printed in the future. Oh yeah, maybe three D printed. Yeah, not as good for you as from the dirt, but it'll probably keep us alive. Yeah, it's all going to be about that. We're really spoiled here because we can go to so many different types of stores. And buy pretty much anything you want. You can buy a product from all around the world if you want. And not everyone has that luxury. Also, why is every vegetable and every single apple looks perfect in the supermarkets of the United States? They look perfect. They look like flawless. (laughs) 
My grandparents have an apple tree in their yard, and the apples look nothing like store apples. Oh, yeah? Yeah, because those apples have been cultivated for generations to look the most attractive. Mm -hmm. And all those orchards are like, you know, they have it very much down to a science. (laughs) Another thing we didn't get into is um, the pollinators, the bees. Mm. They have to bring bees on trucks to they bring out they haul them into the orchard and the bees live there and they pollinate the trees for a while and then they go back to their home (laughs) (laughs) but that's how a lot of the bees are dying because of that process so i think i it's kind of cool until you realize that we're killing bees that way so then it's really sad (laughs) well i think also they crossbreed the seeds to produce the sweetest and the most good-looking fruit or vegetable, I guess. Yeah, but the thing is, a lot of times, the way they breed plants is to look the best. It doesn't taste any better, you know? Mm -hmm. Like, it seems like this is not a scientific opinion. From my experience, like, they're really more focused on the appearance because that's how it gets sold. They don't care that much about making the taste better. You know, in some stores, you'll see, like, huge apples Big as a plate, huge, bright, shiny, perfect looking. But when you taste them, because they're big, the sweetness is not as concentrated. So they're not really sweet. It kind of just tastes like a that weird wet texture, you know, mm. without the flavor. So really, <laughs> that's another thing. Like the food that is grown by those traditional farmers that that just live in your neighborhood. You know, that food is made with love and care. It's not made to be beautiful and perfect. Mm-hmm. There is a local farmer's market every Sunday in my in my block. They're like, of course, like expensive, more expensive than supermarket vegetables. I said, oh, this was my childhood. I was like not paying anything for to, to get this. Oh. <laughs> now like $8 for a pound. Well, the... Of course, I respect the work and effort yeah, and time. Yeah. Of course, it just... Well, the the farmers markets in the city, they have to charge a bit more because there's higher costs. Oh, yeah, definitely. Definitely. That's That's the problem. The naturally grown are more expensive. The corporations, they're selling at the lowest margin possible and they're mass producing. These people are making a smaller batch and each one is more valuable in that way. And they have to do the labor themselves. They make it too difficult. They should get a tax break. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Once again, we've come to the conclusion at the end of our topic that corporations and capitalism are ruining everything. What else is new? <laughs> what would be the solution? Would there be any way of mass produce naturally grown? That wouldn't be possible, right? It's not possible. Yeah. Because for agriculture to work without modern intervention, let's say, you know, you can't use too much of the land. You have to rotate your crops. I mean, it's just you can't produce enough that way is the thing. And a lot of the crops will not be sellable, basically. Mm. To meet the demand, I mean, I just don't think it's possible. We're going to rely on genetically modified crops in the future quite a bit. As I mean, the, the population is growing, but that's not the major problem. The major problem is every year there's less and less land that is available for farming. And so with the limited amount of arable land we have now, those GMO crops are going to take precedence because they use the smallest amount of land to produce the greatest output. Yeah. Land use for agricultural products, land use is, has the biggest impact on the environment, not just like using pesticides or, you know, carbon emissions or water usage. Land use is the biggest concern, and there's just less and less of it available through climate change. That's the thing about us. We know how it's going to end. We still keep doing it. <laughs> A side note, I heard also a friend of mine who studied just international relations in a university, had no knowledge about farming. He went, when he went back to Turkey, he started farming now. Yeah? Yeah, he like looks after some animals. He says like, oh, I had no chance other than doing this because there's like no one else doing it in Turkey right now. And also one other thing is life is too expensive, even like 
the rents are too expensive, everybody's like falling back to smaller areas. <laughs> like they're like escaping from the city. That's another paradox that is happening right now. I'm pretty mm-hmm. sure that could, that could change, but the crises are different. Maybe we should become farmers. I thought about that a lot, actually. Yeah. But I, I know nothing about it. <laughs> Rather than seeing my relatives doing farmer's work in, in the field when I was like really small, I don't know, I probably wouldn't be able to survive. <laughs> <laughs> I would miss getting frustrated in Times Square if I moved to a farm. <laughs> it's not impossible for no one but oh, I don't know I'm so used to this city life maybe if I start I like it though if I like it I would be more down to it but I know it's really hard though sometimes you like plant those seeds and then they don't grow or, or they grow they just die <laughs> instantly you <laughs> or know. pass seed them yeah, yeah. alright well I guess we'll keep the podcast and not become farmers let's become that <laughs> not in a short amount of time <laughs> Well, yeah, I guess we can wrap it up. <laughs> this is Interculture Podcast. And thank you for listening to us. We will see you guys next week. Please follow us on social media. You can find <laughs> us. <laughs> You're like, please do social media, <laughs> even though I hate it. <laughs> <laughs> Email us at interculturepodcast at gmail.com or follow us on social media at interculturepod.